Today we have Bill Grimsey, retailer with 45 years experience from Butcher's Boy to CEO of Wix in Iceland. In 2012 he wrote Sold Out, Who Really Killed the High Street. And since then, through his highly influential Grimsey reviews, he has been leading the debate on the future of the high street. He talks about localism on steroids, practical steps to creating magnetic high streets, and his new review out this week, Against All Odds, on the importance of nurturing independent businesses. Hello, Bill. Thank you very much for joining us. I, I, have, I want to take us back. So one of the things that I, I, I really admire about a lot of the things I've, I've seen that you've written and the reports you've done is going back to 2012 when you put your first review together called Sold Out. And it has that subtitle, How We Killed the High Street. And I'm really interested in the we in that, if you could tell me a bit more about that. Well, that, that book was written um, uh, back, as you say, in, in 2011-12, and uh, it was designed to help me make the transition from full-time chief executive of big retail companies to a retirement state. And uh, so it was a little bit of, of a autobiography, if you like, of, um, of my career. But uh, the, the main theme was who really killed the high street? And the answer is we did. We being the consumers, uh, we just plainly didn't want it anymore. And the reason for that was that during my lifetime, retailers like me did stuff which appealed to people's lifestyle. So we went out of town. Um, and it was a carbon culture in the second half of the last century. And the convenience of going out of town to big superstores uh, worked. And so it, it killed the high street. Um, but the reason it killed the high street is because people went there and they didn't go to the high street. Um, so, so uh, I, you know, I spent uh, a lot of time in the noughties listening to is the high street, uh, you know, really dead? And the answer is... <laughs> Uh, as it used to be, yes. And the reason is because people don't want to use it anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that makes perfect sense. So in terms of then what they do want and what they are looking for, which I know your other reviews have dug into since, I mean, I remember particularly localism and community hubs was something you could, you, we, we should focus on. Could, could you elaborate on that? Because that's a big thought. And I remember you particularly talking to me about localism on steroids, which I love that thought. Well, what happened is in, in 2013, when we published the first uh, alternative review of the high street for government, central government and for local government, an independent review. So therefore, it wasn't uh, any paymaster involved. And we just said what we wanted to say. The the two major findings from that review was one, you cannot rely on retail alone to be the proposition of your town to attract people to go there. That's going to change because of technology and it's just clearly not going to work. And so therefore, if it's not going to work, what should you do with your town? And the answer we put forward was that you should turn it into a community hub uh, based on health, education, entertainment, leisure, um, arts, crafts, experiences. And if you do that, and you base it on heritage as well. You can break down one of the other things that we did in the second half of the last century is we cloned every town. So you can undo it by basing it on your unique 
brand or heritage um, and and make it a place where people want to go for all those great experiences and then you'll get some shops as well and the likelihood will be that those shops will be unique and they'll be independent shops so um, the logical conclusion to that is what you need is you need local economies working and you need local leaders so you need to stop trying to control things centrally and uh, devolve power and get localism on steroids, as we put it, in order to get local communities to um, reinvent their place in order to attract people to live, work, play and visit because it's a competition. You need to compete to be successful. Uh, and if we can rekindle all of that stuff, by the time we exit this century, we'll have some wonderful towns. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. so tell me then, in an ideal then diagram of that devolution and how those, is it, is it local councils we're talking about that need to find that unique identity and vision? And, and are they equipped to be able to do that, to think like a, a mega brand? Uh, well, it, 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 for me, it is the local authorities that, that because they are the custodians of place, um, they, they, um, control planning so by definition they they become the custodians of place and it's up to them to uh, bring together all facets of the community um, education so all the school uh, people all the health people um, the business people and bring them all together and 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 sit down if you like and say look in 30 years time what do we what do we want to stand for what is our brand what do, what's unique about us and how do we get from here to there there's a, and and can we produce a, a a road map to do that and um don't worry about money don't start with what can you afford because you can afford nothing so you'll do nothing so start with the imagination and then when you get that plan together go out and see how you finance it and uh, that requires uh, a unique local leaders to do that and and in our in our uh, local authorities the chief executive is the key person not not the elected leaders because they tend to be in and out every five years and they're very political but the um, chief executives of these local authorities are real jobs and they um they regrettably have become kind of a place where you start at the beginning 35 years ago and you get to become chief executive one day and then you retire um and those days are gone we need people who could run tesco running these local authorities who understand the commercial aspect of a place what the brand should be how to get cooperation and uh, amongst all the stakeholders that are there and bring it together to one big plan and then sell it to the community and then account for it every year in terms of progress and it will change uh, as you go as you go through that roadmap and I, I used to say to people look if you're in London and you want to go to Edinburgh uh, and you've just got a car with no sat nav um, what do you do Oh, well, you might get a map. Well, yes, you get a map and you follow the map and then you've got a fighting chance of getting to Edinburgh. It's the same with reinventing your town. 
Imagine where it should be, get a roadmap out and say, what are the milestones here? What have we got to do to get there? And it's a very complex thing and it's a, a very um, commercial thing that can only be led by uh, industrial industrialists, the modern industrialists. So I, I, I've, I've often said to elected leaders of councils, could your chief executive run Tesco? And I've said this while walking the streets with these people. And they said, no, don't be silly. I said, well, what the hell is he doing running your, your council for? They have a wide remit. Go and find Dave Lewis, who's just retired, and persuade him to come and run your authority. Because I tell you what, he might cost you a lot of money, but he'll pay you back in spades. Um, and you, you, the people who live here will, will, will um, thank you for it. So you've got to push everybody to get outside their comfort zone and to meet this challenge head on. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Well, that makes perfect sense. And I think that thing about then, you mentioned earlier the competition and how one is, you know, throws oneself into that. And I suppose that's a competition on a few fronts, isn't it? It's a competition to win audiences that are being lost to whether it's out of town or Amazon. It's a competition with government to get subsidies. And it's also a competition to get those target occupiers to take space here. Now, all of that competition, I guess that begins with understanding your target audience, doesn't it? Does it start with people there or is it all these moving parts together? How might we begin with that? Well, it, it, for me, it, it's, um, it's, it's, it's the universe is holistic. It's, uh, it, it's, you say this, what is the reason people live, work and play and visit this place? What is the real reason they, they do it? Uh, and if you, can, if you can identify what that reason should be, yeah. It often isn't there at the, at the beginning, but you, you, you create it. You can then start to put together um, a plan to get there. And that will attract, it might attract businesses, enterprise to come in. You're not competing against Amazon, by the way. You're not, yeah. What you're competing against is other towns. Yeah. And so yeah. if you're, let, let's, let's just take the easy ones, which is Derby, Leicester and um, what's the other one in that triangle? Nottingham. Gotcha. You know, those are three uh, of the second division metropolises, if you like. You know, they're not yeah. London, they're not Birmingham, they're, they're, you know, but they're big places. Why, why would you, if, you, if you're living in, the, in that Midlands area, which one of those three would you choose to be in and why? And what have you done to get that person there who's going to add to your economy and add to the vibrancy of your of your place? Or even what are you doing for that business to go there? You know, it's a fascinating challenge. And and it and it will come down to a business plan that is very comprehensive, but it'd be very simple to understand at the top of the pyramid. So if we take Stockton on Tees which yes. is the example in the UK that I use as being the closest to get into this model because it had a very enlightened chief executive. They, they had a vision at the top, which was quite simple to understand. They said, we are going to turn Stockton-on-Tees into the biggest outdoor amphitheatre in the northeast of England and we are going to stage events which are going to attract people to live, work, play and visit this place based on our heritage. Yeah. 
full stop. Now, everything then flowed from there. And so if you go to Stockton on Sea, he's right in the middle of this widest high street in Europe, is an amphitheatre with, with yeah. light shows. And every single um, Friday night, there is a marquee erected in that amphitheatre and it's run by the local authority. It has a bar and local musicians book their place there and local people, youth, young people, visit there, and it's every Friday night. Yeah, yeah. And and, you, and just you know, just stop and think about that for a minute. Okay, so you're maybe competing to local and with local enterprises that might want a nightclub, etc. But the fact is, you're giving young people the opportunity to have a place to go in, in every Friday night and a place to actually. Um, use their their music musical um, um, talents. Now, sounds a bit like a youth club, really. Uh, but you know, you you and I are old enough to remember those. They don't exist today. Um, so, so it's a twenty first century youth club, and it's just one element of what they've done in this whole jigsaw of of. Uh, of stuff that they've got up there. It's very good, isn't it? They're questioning everything, aren't they? And I, I think that point of where they're also opening it up to a new park there, removing some of the high street, thinking in much more variegated ways, their enterprise arcade. And a lot of these, as you say, there's almost, if the middle market is the very generic cookie cutter, then they're going for things that are either very rare or they're very familiar, aren't they? And, and I know this plays really well to what you're talking about now in your new review, which is independence. And, you know, stories that are, well, I suppose they're, they're specific, they're about individuals, they're not about the generic. And tell me about that, because that seems critical to this diagram moving forward. Well, the independent businesses uh, in this country, that I'm not just talking about retail now, we're talking about hospitality um, and service-based uh, 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 people, particularly health and beauty, nail bars, all that kind of stuff, which is going to make up the twenty first century town in a in a in 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 a in a good way if it's orchestrated. If it's allowed just to blossom through market demand, it will be a patchwork quilt. But if you think about it and you try and position these businesses as local businesses to complement, you will have some national brands still in, in these places. I mean, I think Boots, for example, might well survive. Um, only just maybe because it's owned by private equity and it's been um, ripped apart in terms of its asset base. But in its, it's, it, it's a different animal to that which grew up in, in Nottingham and it has different values and principles today. But let's say that you've got a Boots there with, with all the big brands of makeup in them. But you're still going to have nail bars, you're still going to have tattooists, you're still going to have lots of, hair, of hair, hair salons and barbers in particular. And barbers actually, uh, you know, they're going uh, uh, gangbusters at the moment. And in fact, some enlightened independent retailers, there's one I know of in Anik, um, and she's a gentleman's uh, outfitter. Uh, and she's a phenomenal uh, entrepreneur. And downstairs, she's got a barbershop. Uh, so, you know, and and on a Thursday, uh, Friday evening, that she serves drinks down there um, free. So she doesn't license it in that way. So that people go and have a beer while having a haircut. I mean, you know, you think, 
Crikey, isn't that clever? I mean, she's got these people having to walk through all of her clothes downstairs to get a, a proper barber uh, a piece of work being done and have a beer while they're there and a chat with people. I mean, you, you just got to take your hats off and say, well done, you know. Uh, but this is a local business. Now, now, let's just break down what happens with local businesses. And the best way to do that is with coffee shops. So the three major coffee shops in this country are Starbucks, Costa and Nero. They are national brands um, and they are owned by big corporates. And in Starbucks case, we know that that's a massive worldwide corporate and it doesn't it does everything it can not to pay tax in the country it operates in. It does everything it can to profiteer from a local community and put very little back. Yes, they'll have some charity stuff and they'll do some high-profile stuff, but the fact is every pound you spend in Starbucks goes out. Every pound you spend in a local coffee shop um, usually stays in, a big part of it. So it's a way of saying to communities... You know, why don't we make town centres these wonderful experience places? And also, why don't we get our local authorities to see independence as a way of having a unique selling proposition? Because by definition, they can't be repeated. So instead of what the, the local authorities did in the second half of the last century, where they had a whole department employed to court major brands and to go and try and sell their towns to a John Lewis, a Debenhams, uh, an Arcadia and, and get them to come in because they're quote unquote anchor tenants, sort of old, old retail thinking. Sorry, Mary Portas, but it is old retail thinking. <laughs> but, so, so what you do is you actually say, have you ever thought about having a department dedicated to understanding independent businesses and how to foster them and to and to put together a proposition in your town which makes you unique and different and help those people and help those people that are working with them i.e landlords whatever and, and in stockton what they did is that they had the fountain arcade where they bought an old building and they use it to uh, incubate retailers and uh, in the area, local people who get discounted rates and they get a couple of years before they get told you either get a lease or you, you're done kind of thing. So you can't stay there forever. And they've had 10 businesses migrate out of there into commercial leases in their town. And the bookshop that's done it, for example, is phenomenal in terms of the way it connects with the local schools, the book days it has, the way it does things. Very different to what you'd see in a Waterstones or whatever. Um, and the pet guy is just off the wall they've got up there. I mean, he's got a pet. He's got two pet shops, one for food and one for accessories. And he came through the same route. So what that's saying is that eventually you will create a, a, a sort of list of, of, of business people who will give your town a unique proposition. But it won't be big enough and prominent enough on its own to make a difference. It's part of a, whatever that is. So in Stockton, you know, this event-based 
culture that they've got. So they've got an events team. They run 97 events a year in the town. I mean, that is two a week. Okay. And they're not just the boring farmer's market that you get, you know, and councils puff their chests out. I've got a, uh, you know, a, a farmer's market. Yes, a farmer's market's got its place in the world, but let's make these interesting places. You know, let's find a place where you can make it pedestrianised, where you can put power in place that's sustainable, that enables heat to be put out there, that enables alfresco eating all year round, which enables you to have market stalls and finger food and independence and it and music going on. And oh, by the way, it's a great place to go. It is very different in the 21st century than than the 20th century because the one thing that's missing from what i just said is cars yeah yeah ban yeah. them straight away they do not form part of the town center proposition they have to yeah. be they have to be accommodated in the periphery um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can I can name you some wonderful high streets. I live in St Albans in Hertfordshire. I mean yeah. that that high that that high road through the centre of St Albans on a Saturday is chock a block, nine o'clock till six o'clock at night, bumper to bumper traffic. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. What yeah, yeah, a yeah, waste yeah. of space. It's 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 sad and it means so so much I mean, I mean you know i love what you're talking about and i think so much of that that pyramid you, you speak of is that it's not so much about that initial strategy that understands a purpose that is both commercial and social but what you're also talking about is that about riffing on that that it evolves over time and the people running this need to see what's working and go right okay there's a bit more of that we need a bit of this and that's genuine curation isn't it it's not writing it up front and then saying well we've set the course now we're going to go with it. They've got to evolve over time. They've got to have their eyes and feet on the street every day, haven't they, to, to watch this and see what's working. Yeah, and they've got to regularly say, that's not working, we've been that, this is working, we'll expand that. And you've got to find a way of going back to your community in order to, to keep them updated with that, that process. Um, and the best way to do that is to involve the, the community. So... So for, for, I'll give you another example, and it will be St Albans again. We have a lake in St Albans. It's called the Verulam. It's a Roman uh, town area. In fact, it's the biggest Roman town outside London uh, in in um, in distance. I mean, it's 16 miles or something from, from uh, St Pancras. Uh, it takes 12 minutes on a train. And we have the biggest Roman amphitheatre up here and, you know, uh, monuments and stuff. But this lake is a man-made lake built in the 1920s, um, basically uh, because of the Depression, post-war, bringing labour in, and they built a lake and a park. This lake is now falling into disrepair. Uh, we've had lots of flooding. And, and I said to the council, you know, if you put together a community programme, that place, over a period of time, would A, get funding from us all and lay, yeah. free labour. And if you, then, you know, then you get health and safety and all this crap. You know, I mean, get people to sign a waiver. We'd all go down and put waders on and clean out the, the pond and make our place look. And we'd meet people, uh, like-minded people. It used to happen 
in, yeah. in post-war, community exercises were fantastic. They've been replaced by big business. Another example is, is, um, is charity shops. Post-war, they were called jumble sales. Uh, and they were usually run by the Boy Scouts or the Girl Guides or whatever, and the money stayed, it was recycling, and the money stayed in, and it helped the youth, blah, 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 blah. Today, Oxfam is a national retailer, has a chief executive paid over £200,000 a year. That is not proper recycling, and that is not the way it should go. And not all of that pound spent in uh, in that charity shop goes to charity. We know that. It goes to paying the wages of the chief executive, for example. So, you know, I'm a great believer in 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 recycling. I think it's part of the this whole thing sitting behind COVID and uh, the town centre uh, regeneration is climate change. And it's not gone away. It's still out there. And in fact, David Attenborough, uh, I think went to the latest G7 and closed it. Um, a, a smart move by Boris Johnson, I have to say. But uh, but you know it, what he was actually doing, it hopefully, is saying, look, whatever it is else you've been talking about, guys, remember this: when you leave here and you you go away and go back to your countries, you're coming back to Scotland in uh, I think it's in the autumn, and you better get real about this because we are killing the pa- the planet. So these things will come. Uh, and they will change, and I and I think charity shops will have to take on a completely different community uh, role. Which is in in one of our reviews, we put we we, we advocated that um, they sh- that they should not get business rate relief, uh, particularly Oxfam and people like that. What it should be is for a local charities, so local hospice charity shop. Yeah, local localism on steroids make everything in your community about your community and then you will prosper yeah it's 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 a clear mantra and i love it also because it's so active everything you're talking about is 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 a whole series of different activities and it is that community leading it and then inspiring more to take part because as you and i both know we talked about it before in terms of brands you know so much of what often makes for a great brand is it's not so much about shareholder capitalism it's stakeholder capitalism it's everybody takes part in this and the brand constantly has its ear to the ground learning from what connects with people and i suppose that also relates to planning too it's like your your friend who's running the 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 outfitters that it's a nesting of activities isn't it it's not monolithic saying you are this it's like at least three things happening across a week and i think that's very interesting what you speak about that program that liveness that we need to engender in what well, I suppose planners need to start there, don't they? Thinking about the program, the time, the calendar. Yeah, they do, and uh, you you hit the nail on the head. The calendar, the plan, the uh, the events. Um, you know, there is uh, the a thing called a town today is a big business. It's huge, and it will attract businesses to use the capital that's there, which is called labour or space. And that's what you have to think about as an in town industrialist. How are you going to... In the past, these things happened because of of whatever revolution was happening. So you've got towns grow up around the Industrial Revolution and then cotton mills and then the Cadbury's built Bourneville, blah, blah, blah. You've seen all that happen historically. It can happen again. In the 21st century, we will start manufacturing again in this country. We will change because 
because climate change will force that change. We will stop fast fashion, which creates more CO2 than all the world's airlines pre-pandemic did in a year. This fast fashion and, 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 and sourcing twice a year internationally products that are then shipped all the way around the world for a T-shirt to be sold for a pound will go. It's nonsense. And it will get replaced by, not by something old-fashioned. So don't look back in anger. Look forward in anger and say, how can I use technology to do this? So how can I create an event in my town that young people, fashion people, want to go to, you know, holograms, see stuff, stand in front of mirrors, be wearing that stuff, that mirror measures you. Why not make it within 24 hours after that in a local factory? You know, that will cut out the working capital in the fashion industry, which is cumbersome, old-fashioned and dead. So, there, you know, I, I often spend some, some moments, you know, sunbathing or whatever at the moment because it's sunny, thinking... Oh, let's just take a business sector, retail, because I'm, I'm fascinated by retail. And how could we reinvent it, yeah. given, uh, given technology? So what about, you know, your home and your decorating? Why, why, why have we got all these B&Qs and home bases and Wixes that I used to run out there with millions and millions of gallons of paint sat on shelves when... We could go to a place which might be a big place and we could go to design centres which are all sort of... We just take our measurements and a guy puts it in and, and it, it's, it's, not, it's not a CAD drawing. It, I don't know what it is because it has not been invented yet. But it might be something that actually you can see your house in the middle of the table there and you can walk round it, you know, and, and you can say, I want that, this, that and that. And then it's just delivered. Yeah, 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 right, yeah, yeah, from yeah. some central place. So, yeah, one day all those out of town big boxes are going to be redundant <laughs> because you're going to cut out a lot of waste by using technology. Uh, and Amazon are the, uh, 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 are the trailblazers of this. I mean, they are still, uh, and they, they're here to stay. They're not going anywhere. These guys, yeah, I, I, my wife ordered something again. I noticed the other day, it was, again, it was in the evening at six o'clock. And the next day it was there at 10 o'clock in the morning. I mean, you know, this kind of service and convenience cannot be bettered. And they, they will become carbon neutral and they are aware of cl climate change. But if, if you've got all of that know-how, why can't yeah. you do it with other sectors um, and, and recreate the way we do things and make them more exciting? Now, the... the the um, chief, new chief executive of John Lewis gets it uh, and, uh, you know, slimming down the numbers of stores. And those stores will be in big towns, uh, big cities, and they will be have to become different. They will become places that you go for, a, for an experience, not just you don't buy anything when you get there. Yeah. You go yeah. you go there as a showroom and you have entertainment and um yeah and here's an example I was I took my granddaughter on the bus down Regent Street and outside Hamleys there's um um two teddy bears dancing you know and playing the trumpets you know and the kids love it and they want to go in now that, that's an ex a simple example of you know a John Lewis will be 
a place where you say, have you been to that John Lewis? Do you know, what a day out I had there. By the way, I bought loads of stuff and it was all delivered, you know, three days later. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's the way it's going to go. So those won't be shops. They will be entertainment places, experience places. Yeah, it makes perfect. And I think that thing about basic on the... The story and the extreme empathy that, you know, it's like, you know, Hamley's example. There's a moment of collision there that draws you in. And then ideally the next step is one that, you know, builds your curiosity. Humans asking you questions, saying I've got exactly what you're looking for. And then ideally you dive in and find lots of other things there, which I think... What I love about what you're talking about there is that it's, you know, this localism on, on steroids, yeah, there's a technology bit that is merely helping you connect with other humans who are going to tell you better stories. Because I think it's that empathy, that extreme empathy that is going to make all the difference. And also, I think, as you're also saying there, that what I love about this is to look forward in anger. It means, that, you know, there are strategies in place, but they're highly adaptive strategies. And that means that you don't just go once. You're going to come again and again and again, because ideally it gets better with each visit. And I think we need to turn that on. It does. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, when I look at the... Um two places that during the time I've been involved uh, talking about all this stuff, which was Stockton on Tees in, in uh, this country and Ruchelair, small town in northwest Flanders with an enlightened mayor who picked up our 2013 review and said, come and see me, I'm going to do this. And I said, you're going to do what? He said, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it. And he got his team together and they built a plan. And if you go to Ruchelair today, it's... What? totally different place uh, uh, the ITV did a 10 minute session on it a couple of years ago I've taken many many delegations of local governments out there uh, and it, you the reason you keep going is because there are enlightened leaders out there they 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 may not be the chief executives of local authorities today um, but they are out there and they will step up to the plate and uh, and and it's we've got to We've got to discard old thinking and start reimagining the future around technology, as you said earlier, which will offer up so many different things for us to experience in it's, a very different way. It's going to be that, is it? And then, as you say, changing culture, no longer being asset managers. People are stepping forward as impresarios, aren't they? You're going, right, I'm, I'm looking at what's working. I'm going to turn it up. I'm going to be that it's sort of like a... Rather than a, a DJ or a VJ, you're the experienced jockey with all of the kind of graphic equalizers going, we need more of this, a little less of that. And that's, yeah, but that's going to, that's a big cultural change, isn't it? We're going to need people in from entertainment and hospitality, and they're going to have to teach us some of this, aren't they? They are. And, and we've got some, uh, ironically, some interesting challenges going on right now, where if you go out into the high streets as we're restarting up over COVID, after COVID, or not after it, but during it, um, you will find that you know there's there's job adverts out there, lots of them, because they can't get the people. We've got the the uh, Brexit issue that's gone around all of that, um, and we're advocating in our latest review is that you know why don't you reinvent the term customer service? Yeah, it is no longer have a nice day. Yeah, it you know there are people that are unemployed that we, if you. You might have to pay them a bit more, 
But if you give them the license to do it, I mean, in a, you know, yeah. off the top of my head, you know, the singing tenor that's actually a waiter in an Italian restaurant. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it kind of puts in, in a, into a different perspective what happens to you when you're in Spain, you know, those, those guitarists come round. They're buskers off the street that come into your restaurant to make it make it fun. Why not have your waiter, uh, 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 who's an entertainer, um, and also uh, working in hospitality, uh, creating business of his own? Um, you know, it, you can imagine all sorts of things. Um, it, it's very easy to do when you're retired because it doesn't matter, does it? If I get it wrong, but. but um, my 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 backside's not on the block, as it were. So I do tend to say some outlandish things from time to time. But hopefully, uh, some of it will inspire, and that's the word, people to use their imagination. Because you know the youngsters of today, with their knowledge of technology, they will invent things that I can't invent. Uh, you know, I find it difficult to use my phone as you saw at the beginning of this event so you know i'm an old dinosaur and i'm on my way out but and i want to encourage the the new modern place makers to be um, a different breed and to stop looking at it from a an asset point of view and start looking at it as a people community experience and an asset point of view so what's the holistic proposition here? Um, it's not just about the buildings you're putting up. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, it's a brilliant, I think that is a wonderful conclusion there, that whole ecosystem working together. And I think, so in, in a few days' time, you've got your fourth review coming out. We're now nailing our, our colours to the mast for the 19th of July, purely because we want to get it out before Parliament breaks for the summer although it's 22nd of july at least it's out uh and this is about um the survival of small independent businesses against all odds it's a called against all odds and it's it's a, a research document of 150,000 odd businesses uh, that we've got stories from very human stories about how they've got through this but just to give it uh, a, a little bit of a sum up. The key issue here is that these businesses have got five times more debt today than they had going into this pandemic. And that's because the government has provided ways of lending money which has not been under the same normal scrutiny because these balance sheets probably wouldn't be able to sustain that as levels of debt. And the fact is there's going to be a lot of of, of very serious casualties as we come out of this and the first payments are due. And that's when the government need to have a, forgive, a forgiving uh, process to enable these businesses to continue. Because if you think back to PPI and mis-selling, you know, those businesses got clobbered with compensations. Well, guess what? I think the government needs to get clobbered here for irresponsible lending that's gone on. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, they, but they can't give blanket forgiveness, so they've got to do it in a specific way in order to get us through this and out the other side. And I think that's a big message to come out of this. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure there's a bit of a link at the end of this so everybody could dig into that. And I think that, I mean, 
to lead everything you're saying, the idea of leading with those independent businesses that understand, they confront their audience, they understand about local, they understand about personal, they understand about experience. That is all the things you're speaking about. So to support that and learn from that makes sense. And I think so much of everything you're talking about, you are being the bridge here in my view, Bill. I love what you talk about understanding from the brand and the pyramid from the very top, but also then there's those very tactical guidelines around how it will link with all those businesses and individuals. And I think it's, it's a brilliant thing you're doing. So Bill, thank you so much for joining me today. It's much appreciated. I learned so much from speaking with you and it's an absolute pleasure. And also a great advert for St Albans too. So that's all good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope we can get something done in St Albans because it's frustrating me. But yeah, listen, I've enjoyed it very much indeed. And uh, uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity. Bill, thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Free Thinking Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Bill. So next up, Tom Dykoff, historian, writer, broadcaster and educator about architecture, cities, places and design and everything in between. He talks about the rise and fall of the late capitalist city, the rub of super gentrification versus creative anarchism as an engine for innovation and building communities where we can all find our ledge. Very meaty indeed. Do subscribe so you know when the next episodes are and do leave us a comment so we can get better and better. Thank you and see you soon.